Section 18 of Royal Romances of Today. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Royal Romances of Today by Kellogg Dorland. Part 2, Chapter 6 Family Life at the Russian Court. Of recent years, since the war with Japan and the revolutionary outbreak, in 1905 and 1906, few court functions have been held. In the ordinary daily routine, the Tsaritsa prefers to breakfast alone, to lunch with only one lady-in-waiting, and the emperor with but one adjutant. The dinners are likewise simple as often as is possible. The older children are brought in for meals when there are no guests. The tastes of both Tsar and Tsaritsa are equally simple as to food and to dress, the Tsar's favorite uniform is that of colonel of one of his regiments, except in the summer when he frequently appears in hunting costume, an English Norfolk jacket, knee trousers, and likings or high boots. English is the language generally used by the royal family when alone, English and German. The Tsaritsa speaks Russian quite correctly, but with a marked German accent. This is not strange in view of the fact that she did not begin to study the language until after her betrothal. Like most Germans, she speaks French poorly, and consequently French has never been a popular language with them, although the Tsar speaks it most excellently well. Because English is used so much by the emperor and empress, it is the popular language in court circles and among officers. Many Russians send their children to England when they are very young in order that English may be their first language. I've known many Russians who spoke English absolutely perfectly, fluently, and without the slightest trace of foreign accent. The children of the Tsar and Tsaritsa use English most. The Tsaritsa's voice is low and deep, not unmusical. Her laugh is light, usually breaking into a silvery falsetto. She is slightly taller than the Tsar, being about five feet eight, and one-half inches, while he is barely five feet eight inches. Her face still wears an expression of soft, wistful beauty, which is enhanced by a small mole near the corner of her mouth. It is so small that it frequently is not noticed at all, but if one stands near her it is observed, and not unpleasantly. Miss Eager relates an incident which reveals the curious stolidity, not to say cold-bloodedness, of the character of the empress, the empress had gone to the christening of a battleship at St. Petersburg, and returned to the palace at St. Petersburg in the evening. In the nursery, the empress told Miss Eager how the officers of the ship had been drawn up in line for the ceremony when a sudden thunderstorm had descended, and a peculiarly vivid flash of lightning had struck a flagstaff nearby, shattering as it fell and striking some of the officers. One man rolled right to the feet of the empress, and her dress had been splashed with blood. The dowager empress had fainted at this sight, but the empress herself insisted that the man had died in the service of his country, and that consequently it was not a matter for mourning. Of late years, the health of the empress has been decidedly shattered. During the summer of 1910, the Tsar took her for a long holiday to Germany. She visited her childhood home of Darmstadt, and later took a cure at a watering place known for its beneficial effects upon people suffering from nervous and heart disorders. During the summer of 1907, when the imperial family were holidaying on the yacht Standard off the islands of Finland, 
there was an attempt to do away with an entire family the full details of which have never leaked out into the broad world it is known however that this attempt was the result of a conspiracy which included some of the officers and men of the royal yacht the shock which the empress sustained at that time she never recovered from and more or less sensational rumors are frequently given to the world suggesting the precarious condition of her mind as well as of her nerves from this extraordinarily exclusive family life which is at present the rule at peterhof and zarsko selo the two places where the imperial family spent most of their time the czar has come to be spoken of among the grand dukes and people of the court as the little married man this phrase is indicative of the supercilious way the family life is regarded in russia americans are frequently horrified at the nonchalant way that russian nobles flaunt their mistresses about the streets and public restaurants of st petersburg the czar as a young man was probably as fast as any of the court but after his marriage he settled down wonderfully whether he still has his wayward periods as gossip sometimes asserts i do not know on the whole he is a good husband and a fond father he undoubtedly appreciates the tremendous love the tsaritsa pours upon him the attitude of the tsaritsa toward the education of the russian people will seem somewhat extraordinary to americans though after all it is probably consistent with her life in this as in everything else she accepts the attitude of her liege and lord the sovereign of the russian people when a certain count tolstoy not the late leo tolstoy was minister of public instruction he once appealed to the empress to aid him in extending the educational advantages of the empire to the girls and young women of the country i have count tolstoy's own permission to relate this incident the tsaritsa listened to the minister attentively as he set forth the needs of russia in this direction and when he had concluded she replied that she thought all young girls should be taught to sew to care for their homes in short to be come healthful wives and good mothers but as for granting them the privileges of so-called higher education knowledge of history philosophy and the sciences to this she was entirely opposed because these studies when offered to women only result in such terrible times as russia is now passing through this surely is a remarkable tribute to the women of russia the tsaritsa holding them responsible for the movement toward liberty and freedom as a result of their contact with education and culture on the other hand the tsaritsa sometimes generously encourages the extension of school opportunities to individual girls whose efforts happen to have been brought to her attention for example miss eager who for six years was governess to the little grand duchesses and who probably saw as much of the tsaritsa during these years as anyone outside of the royal family has ever seen relates this anecdote which i repeat with particular gladness because it is one of the few of the kind that i have heard concerning her majesty this story was told me by the empress herself says miss eager one morning there arrived on the train from the caucasus a little girl aged eleven she approached a station porter and asked to be sent to the minister of education the porter was greatly astonished and hesitated as to what he should do then the child said with oldish solemnity i have come from the caucasus a seven days journey to be put to school 
you must please get me a droshki and send me to his house so the porter called a carriage and directed that she be driven to the ministry of education arriving there she had great difficulty in gaining admission to the minister but the doorman finally consented to tell the minister that a little girl from the caucasus desired to see him the minister was occupied at the moment with a secretary of the empress but the latter was interested in the message and the child was ushered into the office the little girl bowed to the two dignitaries and proceeded to relate her case the minister appeared greatly amused and told the child she must return to her home as he had no vacancy but the little girl was persistent and soon showed that she had no idea of returning so easily to her distant home across the empire you are minister of education she exclaimed and i have come all the way from the caucasus to st petersburg to be put to school you must put me somewhere the minister though puzzled was beginning to be impressed at last the empress's secretary begged that the child be cared for until there was a vacancy in one of the schools patronized by the tsaritsa these schools are few in number and are very exclusive a note was thereupon written by the minister to the mistress of one of these schools and the little girl was sent to her under escort of a footman the joy of the child was unbounded and she could scarcely express her attitude to the minister the secretary went that afternoon to peterov and related the incident to the tsaritsa herself the empress asked that an inquiry be made immediately and the truth of the child's story substantiated the investigation showed that the two older sisters of the child had been admitted to a local school but there was no room for her she took this greatly to heart and fretted over it until at last she determined to get a schooling anyway she appealed to friends to the local priest and the doctor and all of their combined efforts to reconcile her to the will of god proved futile at last to pacify her they subscribed enough money for a ticket to the capital and the child set forth on her long journey all alone when the empress heard the story in detail her heart was touched and she commanded that place be made for her in one of her own schools the child is there to-day receiving careful instruction and enjoying the direct patronage of the empress the empress really loves all children and in spite of the coolness which exists between her and her court all children are fond of her on the name day of each of her own children she takes a long drive with the child whose celebration it is and this event is much looked forward to by them all whatever leniency may be exercised in correcting the capricious whims of alexis i believe that she is a strict mother with all of her children the empress has few recreations owing to the fact that she rides badly she practically never rides for pleasure because of her disposition she has few if any real confidants and intimate friends among the ladies of the court she has ladies-in-waiting several hundred of them but these are chiefly for formal occasions and of her own choice she has but one near her at a time and different ladies are chosen for brief periods evening she and the emperor choose to retire to their private apartments and if she has no guest she reads aloud to him not infrequently from english newspapers or an english novel the czar is fond of cards the game of wint a gambling game much played all over russia is a favorite of his and he usually plays for high stakes much enjoying the zest that the gambling element lends to the game 
the Zaritza, on the other hand is fond of the camera and enjoys photography immensely the children have few playmates apart from their own family and sometimes royal cousins children of one or another of the grand dukes or of the royal relatives of their own mother or father abroad the princess ella daughter of the present grand duke of hesse and brother to the Zaritza, was a playmate whom the little russian grand duchesses adored up to the sad and untimely death of the german princess being left most of the time to themselves the children of the czar and Zaritza enjoy joining their mother in her pastimes when it is possible and photography is one of the things that they can all do together the emperor has always done some shooting each year and is really fond of the sport one morning a few summers ago you returned to the palace quite fatigued having been out all night after blackcock blackcock shooting is considered right good sport because the birds are so shy that it is difficult to get near them and indeed it is only at certain times of the year that they can be shot at all on the morning that i refer to the empress greeted the royal sportsmen and turning to a friend said blackcock can only be shot at the mating season when the males are pouring forth their song in deaf and blind rapture could anything be more cruel than to kill them at such a time in the summer the Zaritza is fond of sailing in and out among the finnish wherries but this annual outing is for two or three weeks only previous to bloody sunday in january nineteen o five the winter palace in st petersburg was occupied but since that fateful day the two outlying palaces only have been used this has been a disappointment to grand duchess olga who always loved the winter palace and often expresses the wish to live there all the time the winter palace is the largest building in europe and is a marvel in appointments it contains rarest malachites and jaspers rich paintings gifts galore that have been showered upon other czars priceless jewels and wonderful carved furniture besides the great rooms of state salons and banquet rooms suites of residence libraries offices and vast halls that are now used as public museums are beautiful winter gardens great conservatories rich in tropical plants rare ferns and orchids blossoming plants exuding fragrance and among the forest of greenery hang many cages of seeing birds in the centre of these winter gardens are pools of water in which goldfish sport and at times pretty fountains play into these pools whenever i have been in this wonderful palace i have felt as if i were wandering through a dream world several times i have been through portions of this palace and each time i have felt a new thrill of unreality the occasion of my first visit was when the czar received the members of the first duma the occasion when i first saw the Zaritza, the dowager empress and the little grand duchesses the czar had commanded all of the great dames of the court to appear in full court costume and the result was a scene of unparalleled splendor a spectacle imposing beyond imagination the throne-room and halls that were in use that day suggested scenes from the magnificent days of the empire of france when beautiful women and emblazoned uniformed men arrayed themselves in costumes of glittering splendor the old russian court costumes which were worn in the winter palace that day were quite as splendid as any of the french ever conceived even in the days of greatest pomp and show on another occasion i was received at the winter palace by a well-known and powerful nobleman of the court who has been close to the empress for many years in the dual capacity of high functionary and friend 
he is one to whom many high thanks are due for some of the material contained in these articles for he not only told me some of the anecdotes which are here related but he verified much of the material that i had collected from other persons and sources peteroff is the favorite residence of the tsaritsa and four of her five children were born there one of the several buildings of this palace boasts a charming romantic history about half a century ago when the first nicholas was soon to be emperor of russia he paid a visit to the german court during the visit a tournament was held and nicholas then a grand duke acquitted himself with honor at the close of the tournament the victors rode past and close under a balcony where were seated the ladies of the court and the royal family a young prussian princess tossed a wreath of roses which the russian grand duke caught on his sword the incident proved the beginning of an attachment which culminated in their marriage some years after when the grand duke had become emperor he bought the great park of peteroff and built a palace for his empress remembering the incident of the wreath of roses at the tournament at the prussian court the device of a sword and a wreath of roses was made the predominant decorative figure of the palace you may see it there to-day now as then peteroff belongs to the ruling empress Zashkoselo is an imperial residence belonging to the government both of these palaces are within an hour of st petersburg any visitor may stroll through the outer gardens and adjoining parks of the palaces and at any time one may meet the tsaritsa or the grand duchesses driving or riding the tsar is the only real prisoner of the family although alexis the four-year-old heir is jealously guarded the tsaritsa rides badly despite the fact that she is commander and honorary colonel of at least two cavalry regiments she does not sit a horse well and never rides for pleasure in this respect she is very unlike many modern queens notably the empress elizabeth of austria who is a marvellous horsewoman possessing that rare hypnotic influence over the most spirited horses that the animals themselves are quick to recognize and yield to it is only on such occasions as a review of one of her own regiments that the tsaritsa mounts a horse ordinarily she drives in summer in an open carriage and generally unescorted the children may from time to time be seen playing about the lawns with a favorite pony or driving in little wicker-work carts they are as full of frolic as any little girl in america and in the nursery and the household apartments of the palaces they are as ingenuous as irrepressible and often quite as embarrassing as any children we all know royal manners at least in the children are no different from manners of other people and the daughters of even an emperor and empress have sometimes to be rebuked quite as severely as any children the world over the tsaritsa dresses very plainly richly often but in general effects simple the court has never approved her clothes chiefly i think because of her inability to wear good clothes well as a child she dressed in the utmost simplicity and the habit has remained with her at certain court functions etiquette prescribes her costume when she dons court dress known as old russian she has merely to wear elaborate clothes that have been described in detail for her generations ago it is when she dons costumes for everyday wear that she fails to please a fastidious court the average american girl very naturally thinks of the clothes of the tsaritsa of russia with a combined feeling of awe and interest with just a little of envy creeping in imagine having all the money you want to spend on your clothes 
and being able to wear jewels valued at millions of dollars and of course the american girl wants to know all the details of the tsaritsa's wardrobe and how many hats and dresses she has each season and how much they cost it may be a disappointing fact but it is nevertheless true that the tsaritsa just hates the thought of clothes and though her customs are of expensive fabrics they never have any chic individuality of their own for the very good reason that she cares so little about them of course she does her shopping in paris but she does it by proxy one of the ladies in waiting is commissioned to buy each season her gowns and her hats and all the other little details appropriate for zaritza's wardrobe in paris but many times when they reach the zaritza she discards them with the expression indeed that is perfectly lovely and very frenchy but it would never do for me at all the corsetier in paris who makes the zaritza stays has trouble of her own for the zaritza utterly refuses to change her figure to suit the ever-changing modes her waist is growing large of late according to the parisian idea of a fashionable figure but this doesn't trouble the tsaritsa as much as it would trouble many women in america for everyday wear her gowns are all of the plainest but of course there are occasions when she must wear regal robes her court costume is a magnificent creation of the richest satin elaborately trimmed with heavy embroidery masses of the embroidery are used while the corsage is laden with jewelled trimmings the buttons which trim this court costume are each one of them worth a small fortune they consist of a large pearl in a wonderfully artistic setting the tsaritsa's pearls which she wears with her court costume are famous the world over it is no wonder that she has all of these magnificent things for in addition to the hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gifts that she has herself received from her subjects and from fabulously rich kings princes and potentates of the east and central asia she has at her disposal jewels that belong to the russian crown gifts to other empresses and emperors far back perhaps for several hundred years sometimes she wears drop earrings of matched pearls which are marvelously valuable and her dog collar and necklace and corsage pin also of pearls have a value of millions of dollars the tsaritsa is always glad when the time comes for her to take off her court costume the long heavy train is a burden to her she is very partial to light and weight gowns many of her dresses are of the lingerie order consisting of lace and fine nain soup yet on the other hand she has many house gowns and cloaks of velvet trimmed with rare laces perhaps of all her jewels she cares most for a long string of wonderful pearls which she wears very often the string is so long that she can wear it twice around her neck and yet have the longest loop reach to her knees the short loop comes to the waistline and is finished with one single pear-shaped pearl of enormous value all of the children's clothes are made according to the tsaritsa's idea and simplicity is their keynote the children are very apt to wear white entirely and the four little girls are dressed exactly alike their hair is arranged in the same way too brushed straight back from their foreheads of course the finest of materials is used in making their clothes but the design is always extremely simple their christening costumes were all made alike even the small boys this time they were of the sheerest of white mull with exquisitely fine lace insertions the little dresses had short sleeves and were cut out round at the neck and tied on the shoulders with white ribbon having long silk fringe 
the shoulder bows were the dress-up touch the touch which is so seldom seen in any of the costumes worn by the tsaritsa's children the young man of the family is also usually dressed in white and though his little russian suits come from paris they are strictly plain in design generally of heavy white linen and trimmed with bands of embroidery all these little details may be commonplace but they are perhaps all important when we are trying to analyze the character of the tsaritsa through her tastes End of section 18